This is Fan POV Podcast. Welcome back, sports fans. We are Fan POV. Super excited to get back with you today. We are talking all things NBA, going to update you on exactly where we are in the playoff race, chit chat a little bit about what we think projection wise and how this whole thing is going to shake out. First and foremost, let me introduce my uh, my co-star here, Michael Panamarsic. How are you doing today, brother? Kev, I'm doing good, but you know, I've been kind of hesitant, kind of scared for this podcast to come up. I know it's coming, but you know, somebody got you a little crow today. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. There's gonna be nice servings of it. I'm gonna serve it up for you, nice and thick, Michael. You uh, you have it coming, man. So let's not waste any time. Obviously, let's talk about the West. We've got Lakers that are representing the Western Conference in the uh, in the national t- uh, in the national championship this year. So. Super excited for that. Long awaited for Lakers fans. Been over 10 years since they've been there. Been a long playoff drought just in general for those guys. But we're not going to talk about that too much right now. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wait and chit chat a little bit more of that towards the uh, end of the episode. Also, we're waiting on the winners of the Celtics in Miami right now. In fact, that game is going on as we speak, Mike. There's potential for Miami to win it all tonight and end up representing the East in the finals. We're just going to have to wait and see, and we will come back to that on our next episode and kind of chit-chat about what we think is going to happen as soon as we know who the Lakers' opponent's going to be. But without further ado, Michael Panamarzik, my old friend, my old buddy, I'm going, to give you the, I'm going to give you the mic here, and I want to know what happened with your Clippers, man. Talk to me about these boys. Let me just go ahead and lay the, uh, lay the runway here and set the table. We know that Kawhi Leonard joined an already playoff team in the Clippers. We know that the Clippers traded a lot of assets and draft picks to Oklahoma to pry Paul George away. Both of them seem to have slight LeBron in the process and and the LA Lakers franchise in the process to team up on a playoff-ready team. Title hopes and aspirations high, everything on the line. What happened with your boys, man? Kev, first off, let me say I was wrong. I thought this team was mentally and physically tough. I thought Doc Rivers would have his boys ready. Not so much, man. You've got a bunch of B- minus and C-plus players like a Lou Williams, a Patrick Beverly, you know, Marcus Morris, who think they're A players. You're just not. Marcus Morris, the entire time, is the dirtiest player, uh, whether it's Luca, the Joker. You know, he's just out there doing cheap shots. He's not helping. He's not contributing. I think he was actually, you know, uh, a subtraction adding him to the roster. Uh, Lou Williams, we covered him at the get go. You know, was this guy ever mentally there? And then a nickname I never want to hear again is Playoff P for Paul George. <laughs> That dude shot a three-pointer and hit the side of the backboard. It looked like me out there from the out, my outside game. Yeah, Clippers, unbelievable. And then a very quiet unlike disappears in the fourth quarter. I think he looked around and said, these guys aren't ready to do it. I'm wondering if he was looking over in Toronto thinking, I might have been in a better place where I was at. At least people knew their rules. They came consistency. And it, 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 it's shocking, Kev. It's shocking that these guys regressed the way they did. But when you don't take the regular season serious and we don't have a set lineup and when people pick and choose when they want to play, these type of things might happen. And that's just it, Mike. Is it shocking? Because, because look, here's the deal. 
I, I actually, I like Lou Williams. And in fact, all of the things you're talking about back in the day, everybody was talking about Lou Williams as a, as a sniper, as a six man. And, you know, Patrick Beverly, he's the meanest defender at point guard and Markeith Morris. I'm sorry, Marcus Morris. You know, yeah, he, he's dirty and now he's dirty that they're out. But before they were calling that tenacity and grit and they were just saying that, you know, that's the character of this team and they're going to bully you up and push you around. And that's a thing, man. This was all hype, all bark and no bite. And it's funny, man. It's funny how the media and everybody can kind of twist your mind into believing something that's not even there. I, I almost fell prey to it about what, two or three weeks ago. I'm thinking, Jesus, Clippers are kind of rolling the Lakers aren't doing that great. And, uh, you know, I almost bought into it myself. But the fact is, look, here's what we know, Mike. Resting in the regular season, that's done. That recipe yep. failed. This concept of throwing teams together and winning a championship in year one, that's done. That's failed. Paul George, that's the real question here. I'm, I'm almost happy that he did not choose to go to LA to the to, to the Lakers, where is this guy in the fourth quarter? In Game Sevens alone, have you seen the stats over the last couple of years in his Game Sevens, Mike? They're despicable. Like they're well below average in the league. You mentioned it. He threw one off the side of the backboard. That was one of his better looking shots that game. Um, <laughs> p- playoff Paul, please come back next year. We'd love if you showed up the exact same way. So, Mike, what do these guys do? Here, here's the deal. As much as I want to go in on the Clippers, I happen to feel, and everybody said it, and they didn't play together enough. The actual starters, they didn't play together. I think what they have like 25 to 30 games where they were all actually on the court in the regular season. In your opinion, do they have to add another piece? Are they shopping this offseason to bring in a mega star? Or are they just going to adopt back into the process of, look, Kawhi, you play every game. If you're healthy, you play. Yeah. What What are they doing? Are they getting more pieces, or are they just trying to gel together? Is Montrez Harold coming back? I mean, at this Oof. point, what he did in the bubble, he's now affordable for them. He was he's not carrying that twenty point average like he was regular season. He's more like twelve in the playoffs. So talk to me about it. Okay. First, I want to tell you the story of this finals. Uh, you know, their their series together versus the Nuggets, Game Five. Clippers up 56 to 40 and our boy Morris of course you know he doesn't do anything positive for the Clippers gets up in Paul Millsap's face and says you guys are about to go the F home because that's what Morris does he talks a lot of trash really doesn't deliver right uh, Nuggets come back they, they 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 run the floor the Clippers need a big man they need a true big man on the court if you're gonna get through LA you need somebody that could at least try to match up with Anthony Davis Kev I don't know what moves they can make they have a lot of people on their books for a lot of money. But what I am going to tell you is they need a leader. They need a true leader on that team. Somebody like a LeBron James, you know, a Giannis or a Jimmy Butler. And that's not quite style. Well, that's my, just well, Mike, that's what I was going to say. What, so, so last year he goes winning a championship for the Raptors. People are saying he's the next closest thing to Jordan in terms of his style and how he's just a killer. But now he can't lead a team. Is is that for real? Can is Kawhi not able to lead a team? I know he doesn't say a lot. He's nowhere near as charismatic as a LeBron James or some of these other guys. But is he really not a leader? Is that what I'm hearing? He leads by example, 
but he doesn't demand the accountability piece, man. I mean, you see it when he was with the Raptors and the Spurs, where he had his glorified veterans. He had the Tim Duncan, the Tony Parker, you know, the Manny Ginobili to go out there and kind of lead the way. Uh, with the Raptors, he had Ibaka. He had Kyle Lowry. He didn't have to do that. His job is he wants to go in there, be the sniper, be the shutdown guy. But he's around a bunch of kids who think they're A-plus and A-players. They're not. And these aren't kids. These are people with like 14 years experience, Lou Williams. And you got to worry about this guy even showing up to the bubble. Like, I don't know, Kev. I I thought for a while this might be like a, a franchise that's going to run a couple of titles. I think Kawhi struck out, and he struck out big when he didn't go with the Lakers. Well, here's the deal. They're, they're going to revamp. And I think the team that they have currently, if they all stuck together and played – you know, close to those 82 teams together. I mean, 82 games together. I think that they could be okay. However, there's a big problem, a big, a big void at number at at the five spot. Who's guarding Anthony Davis? So I think that they have to shop around at least to get somebody to slow him down. Nobody's going to stop him, but to slow him down. But here's the deal in terms of leadership with Kawhi. And we'll move on, you know, from the Clippers after this. I personally, Mike, in terms of leadership, I gravitate to a man who knows how to use his words to persuade and influence. In fact, to quote the great Dumbledore from Hogwarts, he says, we humans, the greatest asset we've always had, the greatest strength we've always had is our words. And here's the deal. Kawhi, while he does lead by example, I think he needs to become more of that vocal leader so that he can inspire the troops around him. Because I'm going to tell you, when you look over at him and he's got that same bland look on his face, you don't know if he's hype, if he's about to go to sleep, or somewhere in between. You don't know what's going on with this guy. And I think he needs to, uh, I think he needs to embrace a different sense of leadership to further enhance that role on that team. Otherwise... Yeah, maybe they do have to shop for an alpha and get somebody else in there to really rally the troops because they are missing that. Nonetheless, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Again, I think they have to go shopping for the five spot. And uh, I think they have some chemistry issues to work on. My understanding was that Paul George was trying to tell everybody after that game seven, hey, yo, stick around. Let's let's run this back next year. And to my understanding, there was a lot of kind of eye rolling and yeah, not a lot of buy into that. So we'll see where they can do and how they can pick it up with chemistry. Um, Mike, I want to move on. I want to talk about another team in the West. And they've been eliminated now for a whole series, but I, I do want to talk about this. So I want to talk about the Houston Rockets. Mike D'Antoni and the Houston Rockets, they've recently agreed to part ways. D'Antoni is now on the block to uh, potentially be a head coach somewhere else. Let me first start with the Houston Rockets. One, do you have any ideas of what they might do by way of head coaches? Are they going to bring somebody else in? Are they going to bring in a young guy? Are they going to bring in a you know a, a really kind of studied head coach with a lot of experience? What are they going to do there? And two, personnel wise, team wise, what's happening, man? There, there's no way they run that back with the current team. What's going down here? Kev, this is a reality. This isn't an attractive job for many coaches. Um, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they're both over 30 years old, and their contracts are big. You're not able to move these guys, um, and nor would you want to have to move Harden because you're going to have less and less fans. But the reality is the Rockets are who they are. They get to round two, and they get sent home every single year. Uh, D'Antoni, like losing him, I don't think that's a good move. I think you just stay the course where you are because 
who's going to come in and put a new system in that can adapt to James Harden and Russell Westbrook? Those are hard players to play with. Um, very ball-centric. Westbrook's horrendous at shooting three-pointers. And more and more, you know, it's important to shoot three-pointers. More and more it's ever been. The Warriors changed the, the the game itself. So, you know, Steph Curry and Westbrook can't do it. Um, talk about their their role players. They're they're all over thirty. Eric Gordon, you know, Austin Rivers is maybe a C player. Jeff Green's thirty three. I don't know what they do, Kev. I, I really don't know. I don't know who you get to coach this. But if I'm a head coach out there, I'm really hesitant about taking this job because Harden Westbrook get all the credit, you get all the blame. And at the end of the day, what system can you put in that's going to have Harden dribble the ball for 22 seconds and you not get criticized? What are your thoughts, man? Where do they go for a coach? It's, it's a great take, Mike. It's a great take. Harden, without Westbrook, Harden is hard to coach. He is 99% iso ball. It's a tough game to coach. Add in Russell Westbrook, who is the mirror image in terms of uh, iso ball. Only thing is, is that Russell can't hit threes. So it is a question mark. I have a theory. Let, let me let me let me ask you what you think about this. One, I think they need to go after a coach that's proven and a coach that knows how to work with stars. And I think Ty Lue is a guy they need to give a serious look to. Ty Lue is one of those guys that's just he's he's overlooked, and I don't really know why. He came in, he won a championship with Cleveland. He coached against one of the best teams that has ever been assembled, and uh, you know he's a hell of a leader. I like Ty Lue for that position. And here's what I think you do, Mike. One, and we'll get to this a little bit later as well. You've got Giannis over there. He's got one one de- one year left on his deal. If you're the Bucks, you're banking on the fact that look, if he, he's got to stay in free agency, right? If he doesn't, he walks out the door. You get nothing in return. If I'm Houston, I put together a package with Russell Westbrook, maybe PJ Tucker. And whatever draft picks they could scrape together over the next 15 years, and I make a play for Giannis. I bring Giannis in, I pair him with Harden, because Giannis is not the guy, in my opinion, to lead a team all the way. I think he needs a more alpha, more dominant guy, and I think that could be James Harden. If they can put some role players around those two guys, coached by Ty Lue, that would I would go all in on that. What are your thoughts? Is that just a pipe dream? Is that stupid? What do you think about that? Well, first off, your pipe dreams get away of my dream of Giannis going to the Mavericks with our boy Luca <laughs> and Porzingis. So, That's true. Yeah, I love that mistake too. Mistake number one. Uh, yeah. And number two, I love what you say about Ty Luke because this guy deserves another chance, man. It's the same three or four coaches that get interviewed all the time. This guy won at the highest level. He coached LeBron James. He's very you know intelligent on his approach on the offensive side of the court. But as far as Giannis, Giannis can't come in there. Him and Harden. If you know, Giannis gets along with everybody in the league after the games. Him and Harden do not like each other. And uh, I, if you could sit those two in a room, they'd be a great combination because you know the pick and roll would be just unreal with those two. But those two, they they don't get along very well, Kev. But uh, Ty Lue, you got me there. Give this guy a chance. Somebody give him a job. You know, stop bringing him in for interviews and not hiring him. Like he is a good coach, great coach. I don't know if I'd say that, but would he, he'll get the job done at least. You know. Yeah, I think he'll I think he'll at least be able to adapt and add in to what James Harden is doing. And look, I, I think at this point in James Harden's career, he's gotta be willing to embrace change because what they're doing, what he's done this last four or five years, it, it doesn't work, man. It's not working. Um and here's the thing. Good point about Giannis, and I know that these guys had a beef, him and Harden, this last year. 
But look, man, they both got to look themselves in the face and say, do I want to win championships or do I want to worry about Twitter? And I think most yeah. stars can chalk up off the court type of differences and get in the room and try to win ball games. I'm not saying that's going to happen. And I'm not even saying that's on anybody's radar. I think my overwhelming point or what I'm trying to make here, uh, the point I'm trying to make here, Mike, is this. I think you've got a tradable asset in Russell Westbrook. And the two of those dudes playing together, in my opinion, it will get you to the playoffs on talent alone. But they are going to fall into the playoffs to any team that's gelling. They're not going to be able to make it work. So I think you're trading Russell Westbrook. I don't think you're trading James Harden. I don't think you're keeping Russell. One of them's traded. I don't think you're trading James Harden. Of my choice, I would definitely take Harden over Westbrook. So I think you're getting him out of town. And I think you're bringing in another superstar that has a better cohesion with James Harden. That's that's my opinion. That's that's at least what I'm thinking. But what if you send well, what if we send Westbrook out to the Clippers? Send him, you know, uh Lou Williams and a couple pieces. I mean, that could be a reality too. I don't know. I agree with you. It's not gonna work. They're not gonna win a title. They'll be entertaining. Uh, I don't know. They they these are two players, Kevin. This is one of the phrases I like. They have a lot of quit in them. Yeah. They quit in that Lakers series. Yeah. You know, they 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 have a lot of quit in them when it when when it gets tough. They get going the other way, you know, like they, it, it's just amazing that uh, these guys are so dang talented, but they don't have the um, mental toughness to really, you know, the, to overcome adversity. They do the complete opposite. They just shut down like versus the Lakers. I, I didn't even like I had to shut the games off. I'm like, after five minutes of play, you're like, they already know they're going to lose this game. I can't have my number one player playing like that. I can't have my number two player playing like that. They got to do something. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned getting Russell Westbrook to the Clippers. Let me ask you, are, is there a market for Paul George? That's a stupid question. Of course, there are teams that still want Paul George, but is there a is there a team that's looking at Paul George as a bona fide number two on a team that can take you to a championship? Does he still have that reputation, Mike? I don't think so. I don't either. I, that, that guy is a joke. Um, yeah, he said that at the end. He goes, well, I don't know if it was really, you know, uh, if it was that year, you know, win or bust. It's like, dude, if you didn't know that, you weren't paying attention, man. Everybody had the Clippers. They put this team together to get a championship. They brought you in. And uh, I just – I'm not impressed with the guy. Uh, Playoff P, again, we could say this over and over again. That nickname needs to be taken away, never used again, until this guy at least is the 10th best player in a basketball court. That's self-imposed, man. Hey, I'm playoff Kevin. All right, <laughs> self-imposed, man. We could, we can do that. Any of us can do that. All right, look, let's go. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say five first-round picks in Gallinari for Paul George. The Thunder is just living life, man. We got rid of this hack of a basketball player, uh, Kawhi Leonard. I bet if he could go back and saw what he did. He'd be in L.A. with your boy Davis and LeBron and on his way to win another title. Yeah, that or he would, uh, he would, he would still be over there with, uh, with the Raptors on his way to another uh, finals appearance in the East, that's for sure. Um, either way, Mike, let's segue, dude. I want to talk about the Bucks. I want to talk about Giannis. I want to talk about what's next for these guys. Mike, are they one piece away what do they do? Do they bring in a point guard? Do they bring in? I mean, I mean, what what direction does this team go? And then I've got a follow up question after you answer that. 
Jeff, I, I think it's a hard year to evaluate the the Bucks. They were rolling on all cylinders. Um, you know, top and offense, top and defense. The COVID hit, the bubble goes in. And the weirdest part about this bubble that the NBA is playing in is the veteran teams are actually doing worse than the young the young stars. They didn't have the home court advantage. They, you know, the things that these guys are used to. But uh I, I think they have to rerun it. I'd like to see him to get another rule, like another player. I know Chris Paul's been discussed, but uh, who do you get rid of? Who sticks around? Brooke Lopez, another year older. So is Eric Bledsoe. So is George Hill. These guys are all over north of 30. Kyle Korver, your number three point shooter, he's going to be 39 next year. You can't have this dude on the court, can you? I don't know, Kev, what they do. I think Chris Paul is serviceable, but. Does he put him over the edge? I don't know. The East is getting better, and it's getting better quick. Again, great take. Um, that's the question mark, Mike. That's that's where I'm at in my head. I'm thinking to myself, okay, they have an owner that's willing to spend over the luxury cap, so they're willing to go out and get another superstar and fit him onto the roster to make another run. So assuming that everybody on that team stays intact. And yes, I think Kyle Korver is a guy that you bring off and snipe in three threes a game and put him back on the bench, man. But but again, you keep that roster intact, you bring in another superstar. Here's the risk. If you do not get it done, I mean, that is that is as championship or bust of a mentality as you can conjure up. If you do not get it done then, you run the risk of Giannis leaving in free agency and getting zero compensation. So that is my next question for you, Mike. Do you feel it feasible? Is it on the table that Milwaukee shops Giannis before the beginning of this next season? Absolutely not, Kev. And I'll tell you why. Was there ever a greater sports moment in your life than when the Cavs won the championship? You no. can't give up. When you got special, you can't give up. And Giannis is a special player. He needs to do better, obviously, in the playoffs. But watching this guy, if they shop him, number one, he's definitely gone. But Mike, and number two, yeah, go ahead. Well, But Mike, check, check it out. You said it. Yes, that was the crowning moment of, of, of my sports watching career is seeing LeBron win. But Mike, in 2009, LeBron left. He left the Cleveland Cavaliers, in this exact same fashion. He left and the Cavaliers got nothing in return and they ended up being the worst team in the league the very next year. So that that's it. I'm saying, does this team take a look at just the very recent history as superstars tend to not play their entire careers with one franchise anymore? Do they be proactive and go get a king's ransom? And revamp hey. that team before the dude pops out of there w- w- without being able to do anything. Kev, let's not let's not play like we didn't get Anthony Bennett. You know, <laughs> that's right. well, that's well, no, look, that's what you say that you say that. But look, we did get Anthony Bennett. We got Anthony Bennett, and 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 again, and that's the thing. You know, fast forward a couple of years, we got Kyrie as well, and Tristan Thompson, a couple other good players. But no, we did. We got Anthony Bennett. We were the worst team in the league. I feel like one of the worst teams in history. You know, one year removed. So, I, I mean, I ask you a very realistic question, Mike. If you're the ownership of the Bucks and you're thinking, look, we're a small market team. We have wasted the first six or seven years of this kid's career. Does that one, the, the, does the chatter around him start to come into his brain and, and feel that he's starting to waste his career there? Can you really draw top flight free agents to Milwaukee? 
do people believe in Giannis as a number one enough to go there? I mean, these are realistic questions you got to ask yourself, Mike. And if that starts to keep you up at night and you look over and you see a couple teams talking about, look, we'll give you our top three players and the next five first round picks that we have, lottery protected a couple of them. I mean, you've got to really scratch your head, man. I don't know. You, you, am I am I up in the night on this or what? Kev, I definitely see your perspective. I just don't know how you get the trust back. Um, I think especially with what happened this year being the bubble, these guys were killing it. And I don't know. I think you have to do it. I understand what you're saying. And if he does leave, it's a wholesale for that whole franchise. You're not keeping around anybody except maybe Middleton because no one's taking that for that contract. But Bledsoe's going to want to go somewhere where he can compete. Brooke Lopez, you could probably get some nice value back. George Hill, he'll be 34 next year. Not sure what you're going to do with them, but I'm trying to play young guys and trying to get a better lottery pick. But again, Kev, you cannot you cannot trade Giannis because you have a great chance to get to the finals next year. He, all right, all right. Last last thing I'll say, Mike. You you know I'm in business. I, I I've been in business for a long time, and I live by you know a certain code of ethics. One of one of the rules of thumb that I that I live by is a deal has to be good on both sides of the table for it to be a win. If I sell you something, it's got to be as beneficiary as beneficial for you as it is for me, right? And vice versa. Like we we both have to have a win. Here's the deal. If Giannis is telling Milwaukee, yes, go out and spend above the luxury uh, luxury uh, tax or uh, go, go out and get another superstar player, add this player to the roster and let's make this run. But I'm not going to guarantee you that I resign with you or I'm not willing to do an extension now. How is that a win for Milwaukee? How is that fair? Why should Milwaukee not be able to say, all right, look, it, it, let, let's do this. We're going to go out and get a superstar but understand, if the season doesn't look the way that we need it to look at a certain time, we are going to shop you because we have to protect what's in our best interest as well, just like you're doing. We respect that you don't want to extend right now. You have to respect the fact that you're the most valuable player in the league right now, my man. And we can't let you walk out the door. That will devastate our franchise. I mean, Mike, you're talking about total devastation here. And I would argue that it is worse that Giannis gets pissed and you have to trade him as opposed to you play nice all the way across the finish line and he leaves for free next year. That's what I'm saying, man. I, I get it. It won't sit with the fans. You lose trust. I guess you'd have to have that relationship between the owner, GM, and superstar, mega superstar. We can call Giannis that. There's only about three or four of the NBA. Can't see it happening. I understand what you're saying, especially being the businessman you are. However... You get rid of something like that, he just can't find equal value. You can't. You're right. You're right. Hey, let me tell you about the fans, though. Uh, Milwaukee fans, go back to 2009 and watch footage of uh, what it feels like to burn the jersey of your favorite player ever. Trust me, if you make Milwaukee do this and, and, and put together this team without shopping Giannis, you will be burning his jersey because, my man, if they don't win a championship next year, he ain't re-upping. There ain't no way. Not happening. All right, let's move on, Mike. I want to talk about the Nuggets. Holy crap. Look, yeah, major hats off to these boys. Huge, huge credit. Is there a funner player to watch? Funner. Yeah, that's a great word. Is there a player that's <laughs> that's more fun to watch right now than Jamal Murray? And and Jokic, my goodness, he's so so crafty, so off balance. But holy crap, Mike. 
these guys over delivered in a major, major way. And I'm going to tell you for moving forward, they added a lot of grit, a lot of experience and a lot of uh, mental fortitude, in my opinion. Talk to me about these guys. What what is happening with this team moving forward? Two questions. One, do they have enough as currently constructed in that franchise to make a, 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 a championship push in the next two or three years? Or are they a piece away? What are they doing? Talk to me about these boys. Kev, this team is set up very nice, and they were a pleasant surprise. Um, you know, It was a little bit ago where we did our podcast on uh, point guards, and we talked about Jamal Murray, and kind of, we were we talked you know highly of him, but nowhere in a, the ballpark of a lot of the other players. This guy has put on a clinic in the playoffs. He's put himself on the map. Him and Joker have great chemistry. Uh, Paul Millsap, that savvy veteran, and uh, we got our boy Michael Porter, number one high school player. Looking like he's really developing, kind of the opposite of Kuzma. Kuzma seems like he's not really doing a whole lot out there for the Lakers. They're developing Porter. Uh, future's theirs. I mean, Murray's 22. Um, Joker's young. You know, the, Porter's 21. They've got a young team to build around. Joker just presents so many troubles for your defense because he's a big man that passes probably like a point guard. You know how how do you how do you stop it? It's tough. I liked what I saw. I liked their attitude. They lost with class when they lost versus the Lakers. They didn't they didn't quit like the Rockets did. Um, and Coach Mike Malone, give him credit where credits due. I mean, he is developing these players. Jamal Murray just entered, uh, you know, like close to superstar level in my opinion. Oh gosh, yes. Now it, it is going to be interesting, Mike. There's a couple of these guys that really broke out in the bubble. Jamal Jamal Murray. Um, there's that kid out of Miami. What's his name? Um, Hero, Euro, Hero, yeah. <laughs> whatever his yeah. last name is. There's a couple of these guys, these young guys that have really, really started to break out in the bubble. I wonder how much it has to do with no fans, no pressure, you know, real high, high octane situations. I, I don't think that's quite there. I do think that that's a little bit absent. So I wonder what these guys do next year. You know, assuming there's fans next year, whenever that happens again, um, I, I wonder how they react in those types of situations. Nonetheless, look, Jokic is sweet. You know, he's awesome. Jamal Murray, he's awesome coming out party. But Michael Porter Jr., guy, I'm telling you, man, those guys have the making of a big three. Mike, that that guy is going to over deliver big time. He's super athletic. Got a got a pretty good shot. Can drive the ball nasty. Good defensive player. Good attitude. I, I like Michael Porter Jr. I think they're a big three. If they did attract, let's call it a B-level superstar, my goodness, man, they're going to be tough to contend with because I think all three of those guys start to gel together more this offseason. I think they come back next year swinging heavy. Jamal Murray, man, look, he is going to be a force to deal with. The guy is athletic. His three ball is nasty. And his IQ, his basketball IQ, Mike, he's a passer. The guy knows basketball. And 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 look, yeah. you know, you've got it, you've got all of that working in his favor. I look at him to be a uh, a player to watch for the next 10 years in the league. The Nuggets are tough people. The Nuggets are tough. If they get another player in there, um, they're gonna be very hard to deal with. Even if they don't, I think Michael Porter Jr. takes a step forward. And um, I think these guys are gonna compete. To, to definitely make a playoff push next year. Let me ask you this, Mike. Are they good enough right now as currently constructed to give, say, Golden State a run when Golden State's healthy next year? 
Are they good enough to potentially, you know, beat the Clippers again, assuming the Clippers come back and they're, you know, at full strength and gelling together? Do you think as currently constructed, they're good enough, assuming all teams are healthy in the West to make a move and and, and win a chip in the next two or three years? Are they good enough to do that? Kev, they like you said, I really liked what you talked about having a big three. Um, these guys are 25 and under. They're going to grow together, whether it's next year or three years. They are going to grow into something special. I think they need to develop a couple role players, maybe bring in a veteran or two that could hit a big shot when they need it. But the sky's the limit. I mean, you know, Jamal Murray's 22, 23 years old right now. The Joker's 25. Like, you've got a strong cast to build around. And uh, I know we talk about some players you might not want to go as a free agent. The good thing about these guys, you said it, man, they are very intelligent. They know the game. They're not selfish. Murray and Joker put you in situations where you're wide open because they read defenses so well. Uh, I want to say maybe next year, I think they might be another year or two away. But these guys stick together. They keep growing. They keep getting that chemistry. I could see it happen. I, I like the coach too. I think Malone very underrated, uh, and he, you know, these guys got better as the year goes. Where the Clippers never really got into full swing of things. You saw the uh, Nuggets really, you know, get better each week. You're seeing some players develop, and that's what coaches do. They develop players. Yeah, hundred percent. Let me let me ask you this, Mike. On that similar note, a player that's developed right before our very eyes, Jeremy Grant. Another player on that team, role player, did hit big shots, knocked down some major shots, kept these guys alive just last night, um, You know, definitely keeping them in the game. Talk to me about Jeremy Grant. He's coming up for free agency this next year. Do the Nuggets re-sign him? Because look, just based off of what he did in the playoffs this year, he, he's going to command some money. Is he good enough to stay with the Nuggets? Are they going to pay this guy? I don't know if they're going to have money to. Um, I, I hope so because he seems to fit pretty well. It's a good role to have a good power forward. I um, mean, Paul Millsap, he's 34 years old. He's not getting younger. So you need somebody to kind of take that spot, take that roster area. Maybe if Millsap takes a little bit less next year, stick around to kind of keep mentoring this guy, I could see that happening. Um, I would want to keep him, though. He, he's a team player. He plays both sides of the court. And like you said, a couple shots that you're – they, they were pretty uh, ideal when he made them and uh, making his mark. But the one problem about that, Kev, it's almost like when we watched the NCAA tournament, people were watching him in the playoffs. He wasn't this consistent during the regular season. You cannot overpay too much when you've got three superstars that you're going to have to pay the next few years. It's a great point. And, and I know Michael Porter Jr. technically, I think he's a rookie this year. I know that he was drafted the year before, but he sat out because of back injury. Um but I, I I feel like, and I don't want to get too far ahead of my skis, but I feel like this guy is a superstar in the making. So, yeah, they're going to have to pay these dudes. I wonder, though, what are they going to do with uh, with Jeremy? He, he played lights out for those guys. Um, deserves money somewhere. I wonder if just for team chemistry alone and feeling how close they got this year, I wonder if they don't want to disrupt the apple cart. Um, but we're going to see what it looks like. Mike. I want to switch gears. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Miami Heat. So we're going to flop on back to the east side. And uh, look, who, who saw them coming, first of all? Who saw the Miami Heat coming and making this push? It looks as if they're going to potentially make a run all the way to the uh, to the finals and represent the Eastern Conference. Mike, did you see Miami playing this well? Is it all on Jimmy Butler? Is it Eric Spolstra? Is, is he just that that good of a coach? I mean, what? What is going on with this team in Miami? 
Kev, you know, I'm a lifelong Dolphins fan. I know you're a Cleveland Browns fan. And what the Miami Heat have is something we don't have. It's culture. Mm. It's stability. It, it starts at the top with Pat Riley. Dude's a genius. He knows how to draft. He knows how to talk free agents coming in town. You sit in a room with Pat Riley and all his rings, are you telling him no? He's got a proven track record. Eric Spolstra, he coached the LeBron, Wade, and Bosch teams. Three highly intelligent superstars that humbled him, and he learned so much in that time. The guy is a better coach than he gets credit for. Everyone says that, well, anyone could with LeBron James. Not necessarily true. Um, and he did a great job with those guys. So let's let's give kudos where it goes. First off to Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra. But Jimmy Butler, as your superstar, he is the least humble, selfish player that you see. He doesn't care if he gets 10 points or 40 points. He plays on defense harder than any superstar I know in this league. Then you've got players like uh, Bama Bayo. That guy is great. He has a move where he goes to the basket and is unstoppable. Doesn't matter who's guarding him. Point guard, small forward, center. That guy's great. You've got players like Jay Crowder. Um, he, he comes in town because why? Because he sat in a room with Pat Riley. He said, dude, we're going to get this done. you got AI, big playoff experience. Drogic, his, you know, we know the story with him. But we were talking about the Nuggets, how they develop players. Duncan Robinson, Harrow, Bama Bayo, these players were okay in college, certainly not special. They are shining because they're in a system and they are, keep getting better each year. So again, Kev, I want to start with culture, leadership, not being selfish, and just a heck of a good team to watch, man. Those guys are great. What? Why are they successful in your opinion? What are you seeing? First of all, spot on stuff, Mike. I, I want to go back and kind of recap some of the things that you said. First of all, starting at the top down, Pat Riley. Look, what? how big is the case of envy that Dan Gilbert must have when looking at Pat Riley and what those guys <laughs> do down there in terms of how to really, really orchestrate a team? Because I'm telling you, man, look, LeBron leaves Cleveland and there is no chance in hell within the next 20 or 30 years these guys are going to hoist a trophy. LeBron leaves Miami and five short years later, Eric Sporstra, Pat Riley and company are about to compete for a championship yet again. What's beautiful, and you can't write it better, is that they're going to do it against the Lakers that are led by LeBron James. Wow. I mean that 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 in and of itself, that's like a. Uh, I mean that is the the the, the perfect uh, build up to. I, I would say what could be one of the biggest sporting events of all time, just for that legacy that you know LeBron has in Miami and going over to the Lakers, and five years later here they are competing again. You've got to imagine that Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra have a crazy mentality towards this. The, the, the idea that they could knock off the Los Angeles Lakers. One, because of the storied, you know, history with Phil Jackson, I believe Pat Riley and Phil Jackson just can't stand each other. You know, could you imagine Pat Riley and in uh, the Miami Heat knocking off the Lakers right now? Even though Phil Jackson is affiliated with them, he does have history there. But the point is, Mike, what a representation of a model franchise in the Miami Heat being able to rebound from a superstar like LeBron leaving town and being able to keep yourself relevant and compete for a title such a short time later. Absolutely incredible. Here's the question. 
All that being said, and I love it. It's a great story. Miami Heat goes in there and sucker punches Milwaukee. And, you know, nobody sees this coming. And here they are about to beat the Celtics and, and advance the, to the championship. But let's get back down to reality, Mike. Let's get back down to planet Earth. Do they really have a chance against Los Angeles? Do they really have a chance against LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and company? Give me your, honestly, give me your honest opinion on that. They do not. <laughs> I, I, the only team I thought would beat the Lakers is the Clippers, and they melted away soft, soft, soft. Um, I think it'll be entertaining. I think they present some matchups. Uh, one of the key parts about the Miami Heat is they got so much depth. Uh, Lakers appear to have some guys off their bench that can contribute. I don't think they're as good as them. Um, the one thing the Heat also have going for them, Kev, there's no home court advantage. In some of those situations, you know, with Harrow and Duncan Robinson and players that haven't really been there before, they don't know what they don't know. And then you got Gordon Drogic and uh, Jimmy Butler who do know. So it could be interesting. I, I, I can't go against what I've watched with the Lakers. You were right on this all year. Ever since we started this podcast, you're hearing it right now. Kev was right. Uh, the Lakers are going to win a championship this year, barring any injury to AD or LeBron. Well, yeah, man. I, uh, what can I say, Mike? I, uh, you know, it's, it's good to, uh, it's good to acknowledge that. I hope that it comes true. It's good to, uh, to have the Lakers represented by LeBron James. Again, I'm not a lifelong Laker fan. I, you you know, we were born in Northeast Ohio, raised in Northeast Ohio, Cavaliers fans at heart. Um, but LeBron James fans first and foremost, man, at least I am. So for the Lakers, for LeBron James, Anthony Davis, good luck, fellas. Um, Mike, great segue into our final topic. I want to talk about LeBron James and these uh, these Lakers. You know was coming. Let's talk about these boys. Here, here's the deal. In his 17th year, he's averaging 27 points in the playoffs, averaging 10 rebounds in the playoffs, nine assists in the playoffs, just bonkers. Not to mention he switched positions and in, in is playing point guard. It's not even his main position. The man is far and away proven to the league that he's still the best player bar none. In fact, I believe the gap at this point, Mike, is extremely wide. I don't believe that there's a second player that's really even close to LeBron at the moment. Now, granted, Kevin Durant is 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 not playing right now. But in terms of, you know, Kawhi and the other superstars, I just think the gap is massive. Not to mention, you've got Anthony Davis. The reason LA brought him to town is to put up those 29 points a game, right? To to be that monster defender that he is in that presence. He's been showing up in the fourth quarter. I like what the role players are doing as well. Alex Caruso, nice spark plug, a defensive machine. He is a cantankerous as a defender, man. You've got Caldwell Pope, who seemed to find his shot. Danny Green is as streaky as he's ever been. Man, he can be frustrating, but it, it does look as if this Lakers team is firing on all cylinders. Not to mention, my favorite player right now, besides LeBron and Anthony, is Dwight Howard. My goodness, he, he just disrupted the Joker, man. Mentally, just got him out of his comfort zone, and I, I love it. Goodness, Dwight, you are absolutely one of my favorite players of the league right now. Kudos to you, brother. So, Mike, here's the question that I have for you. Regardless of who they play, if they play the Celtics or Miami, is this the most high-pressure most important finals of LeBron James's career. Mind you, he's been to nine. He's lost six. 
That means obviously for those mathematicians out there, he's won three. So being that this is going to be his 10th, he's got to win this, in my opinion, to even continue to be in that greatest player debate. What are your thoughts on this? Mike, is this the biggest uh, championship competition of LeBron's career? No, Kev. His biggest one was his first one when he brought the heat back versus Spurs. Oh, I love that answer. I, I should say Ray Allen brought him back and won off of a miracle shot, a miracle tip that landed in his hands. Okay, I don't, but love, however, that. I don't love that answer as much anymore. <laughs> but but, 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 but <laughs> the, the pressure was on him. He was the villain of the league. Imagine LeBron James's villain. You know, we I didn't like him in Miami. I really didn't. I was rooting against him. But again, he had so much dang pressure on him every single night. The heat was Hollywood. Every They were Showtime Lakers. You know, they were alley oops and they were cocky and they brought a bunch of veterans. Uh, this year, He's got a lot of pressure, but LeBron James always has a lot of pressure. There will never be another Heat team where you start guaranteeing championships and ESPN talks about you all the dang time. Uh, NBA is a lot healthier spot, but again, um, it would be very disappointing if LeBron doesn't get this because, like you said, he loses this. What, what was that make him three and seven, Kev? Yeah, it'd make him three and seven, man. That that's tough. That that looks that looks tough, man. Three and seven to me. Um, again, that I, I think that secures his place as the second best player ever. But uh, hard to argue um, against Jordan in that in that era, Mike. Let me- Kev, Kev, my bad, my bad too. And I meant versus the Thunder, not versus the Spurs. The Spurs was his second title that he was trying to win. Right, right, right. That, that series versus the Thunder was the one I was talking about. I can't get the Mavericks one out of my mind. The, the pressure got to him that year. Um, and let me just tell you something about LeBron James. Kev. One of our main themes we talk about in this podcast is leadership. Has there ever been a better example of leadership in LeBron James' career than bringing this random group of players, players that don't get along with anybody? How many times? How many teams has Dwight Howard been on and end up shipping out midseason because they can't take him in the locker room? Rajon Rondo didn't get along with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. Those guys, you know, they're, they're all they want to do is win. Like. The players he's playing with and what he's doing to get him to play at the level they're doing and to instill that confidence in Anthony Davis to take that three-pointer shot, like this is LeBron's greatest show. He switched positions. He's doing it all levels. But make no mistake, his leadership is a huge part of why the Lakers are who they are this year. Yeah, I, I agree, man. Leader, leadership trumps everything. Leadership trumps talent, um, th- th- and they've got a bunch of talent as well. They got it in barrel loads, but but they they definitely um, they definitely have LeBron's leadership to to rely on. Mike, let me ask you this. So it's interesting that you picked that Thunder uh, championship, and I do get it. He he was the villain of the league. They just gotten beat by. Uh, by the Mavericks the year before, Dirk and company um, honestly healed my heart in that moment when uh, when they beat them in the <laughs> yeah. finals. But the following year they did, they played the Thunder, they won LeBron's first championship. That's bigger than 2016, you think? I mean, I get it. Nobody nobody knew how it was going to accumulate in 2016, you know, being down 3-1 and whatever. But you've got the big three for the Golden State Warriors and Draymond, Clay, and Steph, and then you've got the big three in Kyrie, Kevin, and LeBron, and you know this whole thing is building up to the point where it's like this is the best team ever versus the best player ever, or potentially the best player ever. Down three one ends up in Game Seven final, or uh, the finals were Game Seven. That's not bigger than, uh, the, in your opinion, than the Thunder than the Thunder matchup. 
Kev, there's an expression when you're playing with house money, <laughs> and that's what they were doing that whole series, man. They were playing with house money. You've got nothing to lose. Um, the stress is actually on the other team to close out. The Miami Heat are going through this now. You saw a, a, um, Haslam come out and start screaming at him the last game because, like, you've got to finish it out. The the player, the team that's down 3-1, you're just playing each play, and you're kind of relaxed because you, you, you should lose technically, right? The Cavs should have lost that series. You're down 3-1. And what ended up creating the biggest coward move of having Kevin Durant go there um, you know, was the aftermath anyways. We won't go down that 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 hole. But, uh, again, the, the pressure was all on Golden State. They didn't do it. And uh, they had to take the coward way out to get the next couple championships. Yeah, fair enough, man. Fair enough. Kev, we should we should still, as Cavs fans, be watching those guys go back and forth. LeBron should still be home. Agreed. And the Golden State Warriors should still be who they are with their players. And maybe you have a Durant, another team he's a part of. But uh, history didn't go that way. Sucks for us. Better for uh, cities like Los Angeles that gets to you know keep getting the best free agents every every damn year. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. It's it's true, man. I um I will tell you this. The last thing that I will say about that is the the reason. Yeah, yeah. The, well, I keep cutting you off. You tell me why you think that's the the most uh, stressful or highest pressure. Well, which I, one do you got? Yeah, no, and, and 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 don't get me wrong. I I agree in a lot of aspects with the Oklahoma City you know series because that was his first one. It's like getting your get getting the monkey off your back, so to speak. But you know the whole concept of the prodigal son returns to Cleveland. After a four-year stint away from home, he comes back and he's here to, you know, finally bring a championship to Cleveland after the, you know, the longest drought in the history of the game. And he comes in and he beats the best team that's ever been assembled on paper, uh, you know, the most winning team in one season ever. And they come down 3-1, you know, back from down 3-1 and and they win this thing. And just his speech at the end, I don't know. I, I don't know that it gets bigger than that. I feel like that LeBron's third championship, his first one in Cleveland, his only one in Cleveland, I feel like that almost counts for two. You know what I mean? I feel like it was that big of a moment, even though it doesn't count for two. I mean, it was that big of a moment. It it almost like hoists him into that conversation with Jordan just because of the amount of pressure that was there. Right now, I, I think that this one going to yet a third team, Winning a championship with a third team, year seventeen, switching positions. You mentioned it, bringing a bunch of, you know, riffraff together, guys who were, you know, journeymen throughout the league. At the end of their careers, bringing them together and winning this under all the circumstances, given the fact that twenty twenty has been just a crazy year with the death of Kobe and COVID and everything that's going on. Yeah, I mean, I I can see this being a big one, but no, I don't think it compares to the 2016. And, and to your point, to to the one that he uh, he got against Oklahoma City. So, um, but here, and let's not forget, Kev. There's no fans in the stands this year. A lot of people are playing, watching NFL football, college football. So you're not going to get the random people that tune in just for the finals or for the playoffs. So part of that's the story too. I don't think he's got as much pressure this year. And now that he doesn't have to play the Clippers, good gosh, that was like a freaking uh, – that's a blessing, man, because that would have been a tough matchup for him yeah. had the Clippers actually showed up this year. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I I thought about that many times in my head. If the Lakers would have actually gone up against the Clippers, do the Clippers hit a different gear or what that looks like? But to be honest with you, man, I, I don't know that I can buy that. Good thing is we'll never – well, sad thing is we'll never, we'll, we'll never be able to know. Mike – before we end, I want to ask you this final question about LeBron. If he if he wins this year, in your opinion, 
does that put him back into the you know greatest ever, or 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 I guess allow him to continue on in that debate for greatest ever? Does a fourth championship for LeBron, especially coming together and doing it in year seventeen, does that allow him to continue on and potentially even raise him up a rung in the Jordan LeBron debate? I mean, that debate we can go on and on and on about, but it has to, right? Three championships, three different cities, uh, completely switching the way he plays, the longevity of this man. Um, we can't always count losses and wins and championships of you know greatness, but I don't know if you'll ever be able to convince people that Le- uh, Michael Jordan's not the best. I don't know if I'll ever you know, say he's not. But again, Kev, it's always a fun conversation. This will certainly be another, you know, um, chess piece for the LeBron supporters. But uh, I just love the guy. I watch him play like this whole time. I mean, we are blessed to have him. We probably take it for granted that we have him. What do you say though about this, Kev? He gets his championship. Are you going to put him over Le- uh, Michael Jordan? Uh, you you know I already do, Mike, and I don't want to go down that that rabbit hole. You 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 know what you know I already do, and I, I like I said, man, we we could talk about that for days. Here here's my fear. Two things. It's not it's not so much what happens if he wins. I believe they're going to win, and I believe that that furthers you know his case for 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 that debate. My fear is if he loses. Does he lose the right to even be in that debate anymore? And for me, as a you know an, an avid LeBron fan and, and and huge supporter, I would have to say that if he loses this finals, it drops him out of even being able to to get thrown into that debate anymore. Um, can't go there ten times and lose seven, and especially the way the road is paved this time. They're there. And they're competing against an inferior team, no matter what way you cut it in the Celtics or the Heat. So they're the favorites. That's the thing about LeBron is a lot of a lot of his finals appearances, he was not the favorite to win. This time is is very much different. They are the favorites to win. So I, I feel like he has got to win this to continue on in that debate. Here's the other thing, and I'm gonna bounce this over to you. If they lose, is there any way that LeBron ever has the chance again to compete for a title? I mean, consider this, Mike. You've got a free agency coming up. You've got teams that are going to load up. You're going to get that third, fourth star. You've got Golden State in the West that's going to come back to full strength this very next year. You've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie coming back healthy you know, over there in Brooklyn. You've got all of these teams that are getting better and better and better. And we've already talked about the Denver Nuggets, how, how much they are on the rise. Is this LeBron's last clear path to a championship? I don't think so, Kev. They said he couldn't get done in the West. He got done in the West. Nine of the last uh, 10 years, They've been in the championship with LeBron. LeBron has more final appearances than I think every franchise in the NBA minus like three teams. This man, he's big time. He'll get it done. I'm not going to doubt him. I'm not going to doubt him again. I took the Clippers over him. And again, my bad. Yeah. Well, fair enough. I uh, I know what, one. What says you, Kev? You think you think it's going to be that much harder for him next year, or do you think LA can maybe bring in a piece or two next year? Uh, I think Kuzma doesn't really seem like he fits. Uh, well, here's the deal. One, they they made a mistake in trading Kyle uh, or uh, in trading um, or keeping Kuzma on the team. Rather, they should have uh, kept Ingram. <laughs> to be honest with you, man, <laughs> yes. uh, they, they should have kept Ingram. But no, I, I I don't know, Mike. I I honestly don't know. I I think that. Father Time is undefeated. 
and LeBron is evading him big time at the moment. But Mike, he's he's in year seventeen. Next year it's eighteen. The year after that is year nineteen. I mean, how long can we expect LeBron James to play like this? And the fact is, most of the teams that he's been on, he has to play like this. If he doesn't play like this, they don't compete for a title. So it's like, you know, maybe they do get another star free agent that can come in and help carry the load and he can continue to kind of back off his game and, you know, allow other guys to carry some of the load. But in in my heart of hearts, with how hard I've seen it to be to win a championship in this league, I, it, it doesn't get... It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. His chances won't get better than this. This is it right now. Make no mistake, Kev. If not next year, the following year, LeBron James has to take less money, and they've got to get another superstar there because AD is phenomenal as he is. Like you said, father time, he doesn't lose. And a lot of those players on that team are older, but LA Lakers always bring in big dogs. And LeBron James is going to have to be not the highest paid player in the league because he ain't going to be playing at that level. But right now, let's just enjoy the ride. Totally. Totally. Well said. Guys, this has been another great episode. Mike, I've uh, I've loved it. I always love it, man. It's great insight on uh, on the NBA. Great takes, man. I'm excited. Give me your prediction right now. Let's assume that, uh, that the Miami Heat and the Los, a- and Los Angeles Lakers do, do indeed meet in the finals. Um, who wins it and in how many games does it take? Kev, I'm going to one-up you. I'm going to do both predictions. Beautiful. And oddly enough, it comes out the same. 4-2 Lakers, whether they play the Heat or the Celtics. And I'm going to say it right now, I think the Celtics give them a better uh, challenge than the Heat. Jason Tatum's on on it. Brad Stevens is a better coach than I think any of the coaches left. But again, they're going to be tired. And one thing the Lakers have been lucky with, they've beat their team so fast and the other teams have gone longer series. They're exhausted by the time they get there. And uh, LeBron's got uh, – a rest of LeBron's a dangerous recipe to play against. So, uh, again, I'm going 4-2, both of them. And I'm going to challenge you to do the same, Kev. Somehow the Celtics come back. What do the Lakers do versus Celtics? And what do they do versus the Heat? Man, great. great. Uh, first of all, love the take. 4-2 makes sense on both fronts. So here's what I would say. I agree with your take on the Celtics being the harder matchup. So for that series, I would go 4-2 Lakers. I would agree with you. Um, in terms of the Miami Heat, I think it's a. Uh, I think it's five games. I think it's 4-1. Um, that's why I think they continue the trend. The Lakers, what they've done every single series up to this point, won it in five games. I think that's exactly what happens if they face Miami. They'll, uh, they'll lose one game, and it would not surprise me if it's game one. Uh, a lot of game ones with LeBron, he uses that time to uh, to kind of fill out his opponent. So we'll we'll see what it looks like, Mike. But um, look, great episode, great takes. Always a pleasure, brother. Hope you guys have a great week. Look, want to end with a quote. And again, always trying to be positive, always trying to be uplifting. And these, this quote here is specifically for those who uh, sometimes have a little bit of trouble being present in the moment. So wherever you are, be there. If you can be fully present now, you'll know what it means to truly live. That's our take. Guys, we are FanPov. Make sure you subscribe from whatever outlet you are listening to us, and we will catch you next time. See you later, MVP. We are out of here.